tonight, what I want to teach on, and I'm wondering, you know, don't try to guess yet, but it's one simple way to change your life. Now, not in a bad way, though, because that's actually way simpler. There's probably lots of things that we could think of doing. One simple thing that would change our life for the worst. But, uh, so it's one simple thing, or one simple way to change your life. Um, so, what, you know, we're going to get to what, what that is, but it's, um, it's kind of interesting because this, this one thing that we're going to wind up talking about there usually are not really simple answers in life. Have you noticed that? If you live in reality, you know, most answers and solutions are far from simple or immediate or, you know, like, usually change in particular, in many ways, the reality is it's a long process. It's not a magic wand, ding, you know, and things are good. But we're going to talk about one simple way to change your life, because there is one. Curious? Okay, you'll find out. Um, <laughs> first, I want to sort of set the context of this, because we've been in the book of Romans uh, for a while, in God's love letters to the church. And the book of Romans overall is kind of foundations of the foundations of faith. Uh, the majority of the time, we've really been focusing on the concept of law versus grace. And uh, we've had the, the recurring theme of God's grace. Um, now, in these next chapters, 9, 10, and 11, are kind of a transitional three chapters, if you look at the structure of the book of Romans, that specifically, the Apostle Paul, who God gave the revelation to write Romans down to, addresses people that don't believe yet. And specifically, he kind of addresses the Jews and the Gentiles. Now, Paul, just to give you some history, kind of had a really wild background. Paul was hardcore, committed um, Jewish man. He was zealous for the law. He was a member of the Sanhedrin. He called himself a Hebrew of the Hebrews. He studied... Um, at, at the feet of Gamaliel. I mean, the guy was like, could walk on water as far as Judaism goes. And, you know, and his poo didn't stink in the way of keeping the law. So, I mean, he just was... Um, and so what's really interesting is that when Jesus came along and people started getting saved and coming to Christ, he was not a fan. He was furious, angry. He dragged people from their homes that were worshiping. He took a very hardcore stance against Jesus Christ. And then in the book of Acts, he had a salvation experience uh, where Jesus knocked him on the ground and he went blind and Jesus said, you know, uh, ripped him a new one about what are you doing to my people? Like, you didn't stop be messing with my people. And, um, and so Paul repented a lot and came to Jesus Christ. And so, so in the context of this, and, and also in the context of, you know, it, the way that the, 
that the Bible was written is that um, the Jews looked at the world as being you're either Jew or a Gentile. That was sort of their, their worldview, you're Jew or all the other people that aren't Jews. And so, um, and of course Gentiles who, you know, at the time were, you know, worshiping pagan gods and things like that, they had a lot of disdain for the Gentiles. So the first people that came to believe in Jesus Christ were Jews. Now, nowadays we look at it and it's almost like Jews against Christians or something. Do you know what I'm saying? There's almost like a, like that kind of mentality, which is really bizarre when, you know, it's, it's not the, 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 the point of view was that the people of faith were the Jews. And so they were offended that other people would be allowed to come to Jesus. You know, the other nations would come, be able to come to Jesus. But not all Jews accepted Jesus Christ at that time. Many did. Thousands did. It was a huge movement way before the Gentiles jumped in. Um, a lot of passion, a lot of faith. But the ones that didn't get it and did not say, yes, Lord, I, I believe that Jesus is Lord, like Paul was one. Um, Paul is addressing here because Paul had a deep love for his people, and it was really hard for him to see people not getting how great Jesus was. You know, he saw his life before, he saw his life after. And so that's where we're opening in the book of Romans 9 in verse 1. It says, I speak the truth in Christ. I am not lying. My conscience confirms it in the Holy Spirit. I have great sorrow and unceasing anguish in my heart. Those are strong words. For I could wish that I myself were cursed and cut off from Christ for the sake of my brothers, those of my own race, the people of Israel. Paul is, it says, there, so basically what's happening, this is a strong thing. He's saying, God, the emotion of how much he cared for his, his brothers to say, I would rather be cut off from Christ personally. Think about that. Like loving, caring so much about others that you go, I would rather not know Jesus and have him cut me off if it could fix and help these others to get to know him. I'd give it up. You know, have you ever, it's really, this is really a dance that we see, and we've probably felt it. You know, many of us have felt where you care so deeply for somebody and want so desperately for them to taste the healing that you've tasted. Do you know what I mean? Where you're just like, ugh, just every ounce of your being within you is just like, I would do anything, I would give anything, that kind of love. Um, it's hard to accept that choice is choice. You know, especially for people that you care about the most. If you have people that are, you can see, my gosh, healing is right in your fingertips, like right there. You could have it, you could have it all. You could have healing, deliverance, an amazing life. It's right there, I could taste it for you. And Paul's saying, gosh, I would rather, you know, that's how much I love these guys. And then it just hurt him that they wouldn't see it, that they were just, some people, honestly, it's hard. To, it's hard, like God can sit there and have all of this desire, like you get God's desire. God is not lacking in desire for people to have it all, for his people to have everything, to have a life that's more than abundant in every single way. 
but free will is free will. So here, so this is, so he's, it's kind of like you see Paul's heart in this and where he's coming from. And then he talks about the fact, those of my own race, in, number, uh, in verse 4, it says, The people of Israel, theirs is the adoption as sons. Theirs is the divine glory, the covenants, the receiving of the law, the temple worship, and the promises. Theirs are the patriarchs, and from them is traced the human ancestry of Christ, who is God over all, forever praised. Amen. It's Lord over all, forever praised. Anyway. Um, anyway, so... so You know, you see the fact that he's saying, gosh, they had it, like they know God. Like they, you know, like they've seen God work. They've had the history in their lives. You know, we've walked this way. And sometimes we've had that too. I know sometimes we've had people that like, where I've, I've had really dear friends that I care about deeply that I've, they've tasted it. You know, it's hard to watch people walk away and hurt. You know, it's just sort of like when you're like, oh kind of thing in some ways. Anyway, and then it talks about in verse, um, uh, where we go? In, thank you. <laughs> um, yeah, in verse 6. I can't see very well. It is not as though the word had failed, for not all who are descended from Israel, the word Israel means beloved of God, are Israel. Nor, because they are his descendants, are they all Abraham's children. On the contrary, it is through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned. In other words, it is not the natural children who are God's children, but it is the children of the promise who are regarded as Abraham's offspring. So part of this is that Israel or the Jews had gotten to the place that they kind of just thought being born was like their instant stamp of being like, like walking with God. And, and it, so, again, it got to be more works-related rather than coming from the heart. And so it was hard. And so Paul's talking to the people that he loves the most and saying, just because you're Israel, you know, like, it's not just Israel that's the beloved of God. You know, and so the rest of this winds up being about that it's choice. It's people that are choosing to love God, to walk with God, etc. Um so we go back and forth. Like, actually, a lot of this chapter 9 talks about the history um, of Israel. And basically, the whole thing relates to the fact that it's people's choice, that everybody gets to choose, you know, whether they walk with God or not. And, that w- and he also talks about why are you mad that God loves the Gentiles too? Like, wh- what are you mad about with that? Like, um, so we're going to skip down to um, 10.1, just because so there's a lot of material here. And this is not the argument that we're having now today anyway, so that's why I don't want to spend tons of time with it, because nobody's sitting around you know, having these arguments right now. Um, in 10.1 it says, Brothers, my heart's desire and prayer for God for the Israelites is that they might be saved. For I can testify about them that they are zealous for God, but their zeal is not based on knowledge. Since they did not know the righteousness that comes from God and sought to establish their own, they did not submit to God's righteousness. So this is kind of the, um, the thing. Like they, you could, they were like saying, oh, yeah, we love God, we love God. But it's kind of like 
it doesn't work to make up your own path and say that it's God's. You can say that, but it won't work. You know, so they're saying that they're coming up with what their concepts of righteousness are, which is cleaning up the outside, doing works, things like that, and putting God's stamp on it. Um, And so there's, like, making up your own righteousness does not work. And then, then you see the whole thing of saying that it says they did not submit to God's righteousness. So if we want to, like... Submission is not, like, usually a fun word. You guys, you familiar with the word submit? Who loves that? I actually love it. (laughs) But it's not a word I used to love. It's not like I've always loved the word submit. I used to be like, oh, um, you're controlling me. But it's sort of, um, the thing is, is that you're not going to get, like a lot of times the way people relate to God is they make up their own rules and want God to conform to that. God's not a genie, guys. He's creator of all of life. So getting God to bend to what we've decided is reality is a setup for failure. It's not going to happen. God, and it's not because of a lack of love. This is no lack of love that God is not bending to the rules of how we'd like life to work. Or, or You do know what I mean? God's full of love, fights for his people. But a lot of times, it's just sort of like, if you want, if you want life to work, you've got to get in reality. You know? And, and submit to the laws of God, the laws of life, the laws of the universe. Trying to go against the, you know, it's like go, trying to go against the laws of gravity and trying to be mad that that doesn't work. Really, it's just, it's just the same thing. You know, God's laws are not like some arbitrary laws anyway. There's no, they're no different than how does life work. You go completely flying in the face of that, you're not going to bear fruit. And then be angry with God that it's God's fault, that he's not backing up your plan. Do you know what I mean? Or, um, you know. So submission... You can, we're going to actually talk in a couple weeks, actually, um, not next week, but the week after, about how to submit in a way that's healthy and safe. Because some of us have just sort of become doormats, and that's not, that's not healthy, that's not safe, anything like that. Um, but godly, but submitting to God works. You know, he's God, and he's loving, and he's not going to hurt you or me at all. So that's where I've come to love submission. Honestly, it really has come where I feel really safe in that. Like, I know in my heart of hearts that that's where I'm going to be completely safe because I'm I'm doing God's plan. Um, Anyway, uh, let's see. In verse 4, Christ is the end of the law so that there... there may be righteousness for everyone who believes. Now, what that means, it should actually, the word, the end of the law, is also means the fulfillment of the law. So it's not so much, he didn't end the law in the fact that the law is now bad. He fulfilled it in the way that legally and justly. So the law and the guidelines of living life still work as far as the law goes. But the fulfillment of it is the fact that we and our righteousness has nothing to do with keeping the law. Um, so that's God's idea of righteousness. And then <laughs> this is in verse 5. Moses describes in this way the righteousness that is by the law. The man who does those things will live by them. 
in verse 6, but the righteousness that is by faith says, do not say in your heart who will ascend to heaven, that is, bring Christ down, or who will descend into the deep, that is, bring Christ up from the dead. So this is how I have oftentimes related to faith this way. This is not faith. Faith is not, I'm going to go up and get Jesus and bring him down to make everything better. Okay, it's kind of a ridiculous statement. You, some of you are looking at me puzzled, like quizzically, like, what the heck does that mean? Have you ever gone to the place that you do everything and then call that faith? Do you know what I mean? There's no room for God to work. There's no, no room for that at all. You know, somehow, where is the faith in that? We're going to go to heaven don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. I'll go to heaven. I'll go get Jesus. Bring him down for everybody. Now, where is the room in the faith? It's a ridiculous statement. You're supposed, it's supposed to, again, there's lots of funny things here in the Bible. It's just so absurd. You know, it's just sort of like, but it's the absurd of what we do sometimes. Haven't, I've done that. Haven't you done that before? Like, somehow manhandled and not, you know, and, and, not left any room for what's, what's the Lord's part here in our lives. Or it says, you know, this is the same thing. You know, faith doesn't, doesn't look like saying, oh, I'll go down and get him up from the dead. You know, like where is the faith in that? So there's a part of this that gets, the, gets that, you know, it's kind of like the, I heard the statement, you do your best and let God do the rest. Like, that's a really simple way to look at it. Like, part of it is going, you do your best and let God do the rest. Like, so you're just sort of seeing about, about checking in on what is the part that we are responsible for. What are the things that we can take ownership for in our lives? And then at that point, there's a letting go. Do you know, there's a really, there, there needs to be a letting go and just surrendering to just saying, okay, this is, I'm really, really going to trust God and let God in on this. Um, we can't, you cannot make your own righteousness. It says in verse um, 8, it says, but what does it say? The word is near you. It is in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith we are proclaiming. Now, and what this means is, is that it's so, it's, it's so important to get that God wants this easy. God is not wanting, God does not want to set it up that you've got to go hunt him down. Like God, I'm telling you, we're going to talk the, at the summer retreat, we're going to talk about the fact that God is, and help you to see that God is speaking actually pretty loudly all the time. Do you know the fact is, is that we tune what we take in and what we don't, like what we don't hear and what we hear, we actually condition ourselves for what we're, we're taking in or not taking in. There's numerous examples of this. So it's possible, it's really possible. You think of people like, I think of, um, Patty used to live where there's a train that went by in back of her house. Now, it would make me jump up in the air. You know, the first time I would be there, I'd just, like, scream and, you know, hit the ceiling or something. But when you're living in a house where the train's going by, you know what happens? You, after a while, you're just, like, don't even, it's like it's not even there. You know, or you get to the place that, that 
if you want to hear things, have you ever seen people that, um, that know a lot about music or sound engineers or things like that, and they're hearing things that you and I would be like, and they're so loud. You know, I think about that as an acting teacher. Like, I pick up on things and people are like, how'd you see that? You know? We, our brain is wired in such a way that we cannot take in everything. We cannot take in all the stimuli around us. There's tons of things to take in. So it's, we actually choose what we're taking in or not taking in. Some of us are doing it and not even being aware of it. I would say most of the time we're not even noticing that we're having that filtering system. We're oblivious to it, which is not the best thing for our lives. To be oblivious to the fact that we're filtering you know, is, is not as useful as being deliberate and saying, this is the, these are the things that I'd like to be aware of in my life, and this is the noise that I'd like to not have in my brain, you know, or coming in. So, in this, the truth is, and, and, and this is what we're going to look at a lot at the summer retreat, is how much God is present and right there, and have you grow in a way that you can really hear it and see it, and experience it in such a real, true, concrete, visceral way that you experience the presence of God. Because I'm telling you, everywhere you go, God is right there with you. He is right there. You're not alone. So how, mu how much are, you, are we aware of that in our lives? But that's how close God is. God is not hiding in a corner, not wanting to be found. The word is near you. It's all around. Uh, it's in your mouth, in your heart. That is the word of faith that we are proclaiming. In verse 9 it says that if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Now, this verse of scripture was the first verse I'd ever heard in my entire life. I'd never heard the Bible. I was raised atheist, so... The Bible and Christians were bad news in my brain. They were evil. They were evil, hor horrible people that uh, didn't want anything to do with. And, um, but this particular verse of scripture and the changed my life in an instant. I was at a place where... Um, and that's, this is, this, um, so this is the big thing, is that this is the one simple way to change your life. Because there is something that really, truly is powerful and transformative in what this verse is talking about. I, you know, I had walked around, as far as my, you know, life and my history went um, where most of my life I spent where I wanted to kill myself. Like, thought about it all the time. I was obsessed with it. Like, constantly thinking about how, how I'd like to kill myself, maybe, you know, how I would, how I, you know. was constantly thought about that all the time, role-played it in my head all the time. Um, and I don't ever, ever remember at all, like, being happy, feeling light, if you look at my, it's shocking, it really is, but if you look at my little kid pictures, there are no smiles or laughing. Now, that's not exactly normal. 
You look at me at three, you look at me at five, you look at me at eight, there's not smiles. It looks dark, it looks heavy. Um, and so I wasn't expecting this verse to change my life. I, I wasn't expecting to believe in a God, wasn't looking to believe in a God. Um, my heart had always been really, really hard about God, actually, like really hard, really bitter, really angry, really cynical. So I have to say, it's so shocking how much this one verse of scripture changed my life and I've never been the same. I, it, it literally feels like I, I, upon hearing and believing this verse, that I turned into another human being. And it was so... And, I, and I'll tell you about how it happened because it was sort of, um, and it was weird. It doesn't even make any sense. Like, for years I used to think, you know, I can, and I'm telling you, I can't explain it. It's not logical. I wished I could in some ways. I used to say, oh, I believed because it was logical. Ah, that's who we, I didn't believe because it was logical. I don't, I don't actually know why. Um, except what happened, I was um, a teenager, and there was this kid in school, George Hackett. And he was kind of a, Everybody knew him and he had a reputa reputation for being, um, everybody said he was a heroin addict and he kind of looked like it. He was, um, he looked like Jesus, but on the cross. So like, he looked dead. He was just like, he, he had long hair, he looked emaciated, he looked, now mind you, he's 16, but he looks like he's 40. You know, he looks just death warmed over. And everybody knew who he was. I had never met him before. And all of a sudden, one day, um, I saw him, and he looked like a different person. He looked healthy and alive, and I was just flabbergasted. I was just like, his it looked like he put flesh on. I mean, it looked like, and he was smiling and radiant. And he was singing songs on his guitar about Jesus. And I looked, and I was just like, it was shocking to me. It was just so shocking. And I did not know him. And I walked up to this other girl. <laughs> it was really bizarre. Um, Missy Johnson, she was, um, she was crazy. She was always wanting to beat me up. I just talked to her, like, uh, a couple years ago, too. She was always wanting to beat me up. She had, uh, hopefully she won't ever listen to this or we can edit it out, but... <laughs> Um, she looked like, she looked, uh, it was the weirdest thing. She looked like a uh, Frankenstein. She had, like, <laughs> she had a huge forehead that went like <laughs> braces that always had stuff in them and like no hair that <laughs> was like greasy and hanging off of her head. And she was always wanting to be, she was huge and she was always wanting to beat me up, but in between the wanting to beat me up, she would, like, talk to me. And, and so it was just sort of like one of these times when she wasn't. And so I knew that she knew George kind of, sort of. I didn't know how much they knew each other. I'm telling you, it's one of the weirdest things ever. And, um, and so <laughs> I went up to her and said, hey, Missy, what, what happened to George? And she said... And she opened her Bible and she read me this verse. <laughs> and um, it's weird because I don't even know if she believed it. So I, don't, I just, honestly, I'm a little confused because it's not like 
she's a Christian after this or anything. It's just like I look back and I don't know what the heck happened there, but she told me he got saved. And I said, what does that mean? What is that? And she told me the story. She said that um, Jesus Christ gave his life and died um, for me. And that I didn't have to do anything to deserve it at all. That he loved me just the way that I was. And that all I had to do was do this. Do this verse and I'd be saved and have eternal life. God, I don't know why. It seemed like... It, like it's almost like the, when she spoke that to me, it changed my life. And I... You know, I'll never forget it. Like, for some reason, it just, it's almost like my whole insides of me woke up and I felt my heart shift. I felt my being shift. I felt, I went home and uh, asked my mom if we had any Bibles anywhere in the house. And she said that when she was a kid, she went to communion and she thought that there was one in the attic someplace and got it for me. And... I went home and opened this up and read the verse and told him that I was really sorry for how much I made fun of him and people that believed in him and that I couldn't believe he loved me that much. But I did this verse. And um, I feel it was... uh, I, I seriously have, I could, everything within my being changed in that moment. Um, the heaviness that I'd felt my whole life was gone. It was gone in an instant. Um, and I've never, ever gone back to feeling that way again. I've never gone back to feeling the way that I did all of those years leading up. Um, I have never... Again, I, I just, that love to me touched me so deeply that it changed my life. I wanted to live. I actually, the next day, woke up excited and happy. I mean, I was a, I was a totally unrecognizable human being. I looked, people all of a sudden, I looked like an airhead to some people because I was so, I went from being this dark person to just laughing and smiling and, like, I went, you know, I grabbed my Bible and went to school the next day, and I read this verse to everybody I met. I just, I didn't care if they thought I was crazy. It changed my life. I wasn't going to, about to back off. I told this other girl was going to beat me up. How, read her that verse, and she cried and believed it, too. And we stayed friends for years afterwards. So, and it was just as fast for her, too. It was like we had a five-minute conversation, and it's just about, like, I just said, he loves you just the way you are, Joanne. And she's like, started crying and just, I said, do you want to get saved? And she's like, yes. And she got saved too. <laughs> like, uh, I'm telling you, there, there are many, now that, it doesn't, obviously there's many things that don't change in your life in the minute that you get saved. There are many things that don't completely go away. Obviously, I had all kinds of crazy craziness that still followed me afterwards. But 
um, I don't know anything ever that I've ever seen that has radical, lasting, powerful impact in a moment. I, there's, there's no other instant, instant answers. I haven't seen them. Not seen it, not witnessed it, not heard of it as far as instant answers like this. There is something that happens when people get it. When people just <sighs> believe and receive this. <clears throat> this free gift of God. Um, <laughs> it's the first verse of scripture I memorized. Said it to many people. <laughs> Um, I, it was just the most exciting thing ever. I, I remember it like it's yesterday. You know, it was electrifying. I mean, I just went from hating life to freaking loving it. Like, I was walking on a cloud. I was like, life is amazing. I feel loved. This is unbelievable. And I had love to give. My heart was just so full. I, you know, I'd love to give. I just spent tons of time reading more scripture, and I was just gobbling it up, and it was amazing. Um, let me blow my nose and then keep talking. <laughs> okay. Um, let's keep reading. In verse 10, For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you confess and are saved. As the scripture says, Anyone who trusts in him will never be put to shame, and that's also, or never be disappointed, never be let down. For there is no difference between Jew and Gentile. The same Lord is Lord of all and richly blesses all who call upon him. God never intended for there to be schisms among people. You know, God wanted for all, like, to lo love all people. There's no, in God's mind, there is no divisions there's no preference there's no you know partiality it says uh he's the same lord of all and richly blesses all who call upon him all god's saying is that is you got to invite him in god loves everybody it's just that he's not he's not um he respects boundaries <laughs> he's not a control freak he gives us free will it says, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And then here's, I love this part, in verse 14. How then shall they call on one whom they have not believed in? And how, shall they, how can they believe in one of whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? You know what? Somebody's got to share it. You, can't, you know, like, we got, nobody's going to know unless you share it. Nobody here would be here unless somebody opened their mouth to share what God had done for them. You know, I, to me, it's just like, this is not something to shut up about. It changed my life. I'm not going to shut up about that. You know, I just want everybody to be blessed like me. I, I, you know, why is that bad? I'm telling you, it's just like, if I care about people, why wouldn't I want people to be, to have... You know, to have the healing and the delivers and the answers that I've had. My life has been changed. My life is awesome. It shouldn't be awesome. My life should not be awesome. I talked to Cindy Lee the other day, she's a psychiatrist. She goes, geez, she didn't know my story. And she was just like, how are you not, like, dead or on drugs or meds? Or 
She goes, I deal with people all the time. They don't have nearly what you've been through. And, you know, you don't just have an, like, surviving life. You have an awesome life. I do have an awesome life. And I'm telling you, it is a miracle of God. There is no way that my life could be here without God and without his son, Jesus Christ. So, um, so I want to share that. I just do. I mean, I want, I want so bad to, I don't want to shove it down people's throats. I don't want to make anybody believe that's ridiculous. That's stupid. You know, because I, I don't have that kind of investment in it. I don't have any, like, ego or care, you know, as far as what other people think or feel. I just want people to be blessed. I want at least people to have a chance. I just want people to have an opportunity. I get it. I am, like, the biggest respecter of free will. I love that. I love the free will stuff. I love that God gave it. I respect it. I respect people's choices. But everything within my being, I want every person possible to at least have a chance to have this. None of us would, I know people here have tasted God's healing and deliverance. I look at it around the room at huge healings that have taken place, miracles that have taken place in people's lives. Gosh, guys, don't you want other people to have this? You know, people aren't going to hear unless somebody tells them. That's what this says. It's just not going to happen, which sucks. Um, how should they call upon one? Oh, here we go. Uh, and how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can they preach unless they are sent? As it is written. How beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. <laughs> Um, it's actually, this is an Old Testament verse of scripture about people that, that told people that were in captivity that they were set free. And so your feet are beautiful when you share the gospel, it says, um, kind of thing. And then verse 17 says, consequently, faith comes from hearing the message and the message is heard through the word of Christ. So uh, faith, this is a really cool thing because everybody takes different amounts of time. Not everybody takes like, takes, I don't know why it, I believed instantly, I, you know, I was probably hu- more hungry and desperate than I thought. You know, I, I mean, I was in denial about how desperate I was feeling, so that's probably what it is because, you know, logically, why would I just believe that and receive it and just go for it and whatever? But it's not going to work that way for everybody. And that's okay. It says faith comes by hearing the word of God. Now, mind you, I just heard one verse, but that was some of the word of God, you know? For other people, it's okay. I've seen people that have taken time, you know, and taken more of hearing the word of God to get to the place where they're going, oh, I believe. Oh, yeah, that makes sense. If people spend time, it's kind of cool. I had um, a guy, he was a hardcore atheist, and I just talked him into reading the Bible. I just was like, it was cool because anybody that's open and seeking is going to find God, I believe. I think, you know, it's like you don't have to be... You don't have to check your brain at the doors, check your skepticism. But I think if you're in a place, like it says, seek and ye shall find, you know, if people are in an open seeking place. So it was kind of cool. So this guy I was talking to, and he was atheist. And, um, and somehow we got into the whole thing that I said, you know what? Have you ever read the Bible? He's like, no. And I was like, well, why don't you read it and see if you think it's, you know, see how, how you feel about it. Because I believe the more that you hear of God's word with an open heart. I mean, if you're, said, if you're looking at it like, I know this is a lie. Let me show you how it's a lie. Well, it's probably not going to speak to you so much. <laughs> you know? But, uh, 
But if, if you come with a heart of just going, I just want to know what's true. I'm not trying to program myself. I'm not trying to brainwash myself. I just want, I just want to be seeking. I just want to know what's true. I believe that you read scripture and the more it makes sense. So it's kind of cool. So he was just like, okay, what have I got to lose? So he read it. And, he, and then every, once a month I, th- I met with him. And um, he, would go, he would tell me these phenomenal stories about what God was doing and how he was seeing things as he was reading the you know, scripture. It was just like all the time there were some crazy things. He goes, wow. He goes, I read Shakespeare, but this is really different. He goes, I read this. He goes, that's really good literature. And he goes, I've always thought the Bible was good literature. He goes, I can't explain it. Something happens to me inside when I read this. He's like... He goes, it's a little weird. I don't really have an explanation for that, but I just feel they're really different. It's not like reading Shakespeare, and I love Shakespeare. So just like I'm telling you, I believe this is God's word and that it speaks and that it heals and brings deliverance and that faith comes by hearing God's word. God is wanting to make this easy. God is wanting to be accessible, you know. And there's a lot in salvation and in just Romans 10.9 and confessing and believing, there's a lot of healing and deliverance. But obviously, it's a journey after that as well. But there is something that really changes people's lives and transforms. And I've seen that work for other people, too, at the point that they really went, wow, Lord, I believe, kind of thing, that something just shifts inside it in a heart kind of way and in a deeper kind of way. Some people get, get saved and do that and don't even know that they did it, and it's probably not going to be as noticeable of a transformation, you know. But it is, if you want a shortcut or want to tell other people about a shortcut as far as wanting a lot of healing in an instant kind of way, <laughs> this is a quick fix for all of you guys that love that, so... Anyway, amen. Um, We're going to have... Thank you, guys. Next up, Lachelle Lozano. For some reason, I I, I still feel blown away. Like, that um, somebody in our group, I I will keep the confidentiality, um, said that it's, it's like a family. And... It, that just kind of stuck with me throughout the whole week and and just feeling connected and um, <clears throat> it was kind of like like family is is the right word where you where it feels like a like people are together like people are on your side you know I mean maybe you didn't grow up in a family that's like that but kind of when you when I typically think of family, you kind of think of support and people being there for each other. And um, I think that is the way that God designed it in the first place. But um, after this Sunday's women's group, I just felt so blown away of, of the group that we have. And, and I remembered uh, we had a new woman come, and, she's, and that's what she said. She said, Wow, I didn't know that there was something like this out there, and and it kind of just sunk in. Like, wow, I take this for granted because I'm there every Sunday. You know what I mean? Like, I go to women's group every Sunday, and I get my love cup filled. You know, and I feel blessed. But there's there is there aren't 
these families out there. You know, it felt like, um, particularly this Sunday, it felt like a sisterhood. It felt like people, you know, we can share our hearts and share our lives. And it's like all week uh, stuffing the the things I don't want the rest of the world to see, stuffing it down all week, stuffing it down the things I'm ashamed of, the things that I've failed in, the fears, stuffing that down all week. And then on Sunday, being able to just let it all out in the open and having other people look at me with compassion and love and acceptance and grace feels so good. You know, it, it's not, it, you know, I, it's not like it's a it's not a blessing for me personally to be pushing things down all week, but you know, I'm so blessed that when I do have Sundays, I can let it all out. You know, that's what I'm working on, you know, not stuffing all these things down, but you know, it's it's amazing that there is this out there that we do have small groups. And I this week and just am so glad that this church is all about small groups and being there for one another and being able to be with other people to be your real true self where you don't have to put on the mask where you don't have to have this whole charade and and then people will accept you and love you and so this week i just really want to encourage um people to invite your friends to small groups you know if you haven't been to the small group before come and check it out it's it's so amazing. You know, I just feel so accepted when I'm there. And I know I've gotten the feedback from other people that they feel so accepted. So I'm not the only one. I know that. And I swear, like, it changed this, you know, that's changed my life being able week to week, you know, on Monday, I'm back to trying to, you know, go by the law. And, and I forget, like, it's not about works. It's about grace. But I forget, like, the next day I have a very short-term memory, you know. <laughs> and, and so it's like, you know, Wednesdays I come and I'm, in, and I'm reminded of God's love and his goodness. And then on Sunday, like, I, I get filled up again. And so, you know, after this Sunday, I'm like, wow, I just want to invite everybody who I know. I want everybody to have this too. I want everybody that I know to feel loved. I want everybody that that I know to feel connected, to have a family that they never had, to see the, just not even what people say all the time, you know, just the, the compassion in their eyes to that show, I love you, I really care about you, and it makes me so sad that you're going through whatever year it is that you're going through. Heavenly Father and my Lord Jesus, you truly never let us down, and I am so so grateful to be a part of this family, Lord, um, and you, my Lord Jesus, as the head of this family and taking charge and going ahead of us, Lord. I, I just immensely thank you for that, Lord, and I know that you're going ahead of this church, Lord, and where it's going, and so um, help us to hear your voice, Lord, and open our hearts to hearing your voice, and I pray for uh, for our hearts to be um, to be open to giving to you, Lord, and, and seeing that thankfulness part and just the, just feeling thankful in our hearts, Lord, that we want to give you a gift, my Lord. And so I just pray for that and help us to uh, give generously and give with a cheerful heart, Lord. I always just, I always get that picture of a, a little child drawing a picture and bringing it to their parent and how it, you know, it's really not 
worth anything like you know as far as money goes but how that parent is is just so proud and and so thankful that their child brought them a gift and so I know that that is the way that you feel when we give you an offering Lord so I pray I lift up our offering Lord that you receive it and and just know that we are so thankful to be a part of this family uh, my heavenly father and my lord jesus christ jesus you are the biggest the best big brother anybody can have lord so i thank you for that thank you so much for not leaving as high and dry lord i thank you for this evening it's been amazing lord thank you for nancy's teaching and the way that she's blessed us all lord in jesus name amen